You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Ballers. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Hot Take Podcast. We are back for another show. Episode 32, Blake. Did you know that we are at 32 episodes? Man, it's crazy. We're just flying along week to week. Week to week, man. It all started with the, uh, the power rankings back in the day, our rankings debates. And now we have guys like Nathan Hamilton on the show to discuss all of our hot takes. What's going on, Nate? Hey, fellas. How you doing? Thanks for having me again. Uh, I've been on this podcast uh, before, and I'm ready for some more hot takes. Yeah, yeah, we uh, might have to make Nate a co-host. That that would be fun. Honestly, I, I could be I could be a regular filler. That's fine by me. <laughs> yeah, you could be uh, what like the ballers have uh, Jay Grizz. You could be our Jay Grizz. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> I, you know what? That's actually fantastic because I can be your Jay Grizz every episode uh, because I don't have to say anything. I'd be a cardboard box. You know what? For all of our listeners, just pretend Nate is always present. And that would be just exactly what he gives when he's to fill in anyway. Perfect. Uh, actually, of all 32 shows, the only uh, show that we, I have like extra like B-roll of is the show that you came on. And I have some good like filler. We had some good jokes. We had some good back and forth between the three of us. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that was the first time, Blake, that you brought up like the idea of a blooper show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could definitely make a blooper show with all the mistakes I make. <laughs> you're welcome for that fellas i guess you're welcome <laughs> so let's get into it here uh i mean the sleeper bot has been active the past 24 hours and one of the biggest uh pieces of news is nick Foles is going to be a free agent the eagles will not si- uh, give him the franchise tag so he is free to do what he wants big win for nick Foles. i think that he gets paid but who is going to pay him there are limited options for him to be a starter and it kind of seems like all signs are pointing to a specific team Blake what say you for Nick Foles yeah I really don't know as far as Nick Foles there's going to be a lot of teams that uh, might want to invest in them but there's going to be some that just think that he's a little too inconsistent so I'm not sure where he's going to land but there could be some teams like uh, the Redskins or the Cardinals who want to kind of add a guy like that uh, maybe make him their starter, but at least have him for an insurance plan. Yeah. I mean, Redskins is a, is a good call there because they, they're probably looking for somebody to, to fill in. And, you know, I think whoever takes on Nick Foles, they're not looking at him as a long-term solution. You know, he's probably a filler for whoever is looking to the draft to draft a young guy um, to take over, you know, in a couple of years. Nick Foles, he, he might think that, you know, there's a hot market out there for him. But uh, to be honest, I, I'm not seeing him landing this huge deal. It could be, you know, decent money, but I'm, not, I'm seeing it maybe for a couple years or at least if it's more than two years and there's going to be some contingencies built into his contract where they can easily get out of it after, after year two uh, would be my prediction. What did they pay? What did the Cardinals pay Sam Bradford last year? Wasn't it like 20 mil for one year or something crazy? Oh yeah, I mean you you always are going to have those those teams that love to throw money away, but I yeah. think I would like to think they're getting smarter with every time you see a situation like that, it it kind of gets everyone else thinking like, yeah, you know, maybe we got to second guess this and and not not go that route. So, um like I said, I I don't think the market's going to be as hot as Nick Foles would like it to be. Um but, you know, Again, he he's we've only seen him shine really in that one system with the Eagles, and um, you know he was pretty inconsistent at times. Although he had a great ceiling, his floor was scary as well. So um, yeah, I'm not looking to see. I don't think that Nick Foles is going to end up get with getting this huge deal, uh, no matter where he lands. Yeah, Blake, you mentioned the Cardinals, and I didn't really think about them. Uh, the only reason why I think they might not is because of that big contract they gave Sam Bradford. So they might be reluctant to pay somebody like Foles, but I think that would make sense in the perspective of giving Josh Rosen a kick in the butt. And look, if Josh Rosen comes out and he's stinking again, at least they have an insurance policy there with a guy like Nick Foles. So, and from a football perspective, I think that makes a lot of sense. But to me, the Jaguars are like the number one team, right? I mean, they have 
they looks like they want to move on from Blake Bortles. I think they actually owe Blake Bortles 16 mil if they cut him. Like if they cut Blake Bortles, they have to pay him 16 mil. So you're saying why pay two quarterbacks that kind of money? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it depends on what Nick Foles is going to want because it seems like if he was just wanted to be a backup, he would have just stayed with the Eagles. So he's going to want to start somewhere. So I think he's going to be looking for starting quarterback money. I just don't know who's going to pay him, like you were saying. The Jaguars isn't a bad landing spot, and I think the reason why it's so popular is because, you know, I think at this point the Jaguars know what Blake Bortles is, and he hasn't been doing it for them. Do I think they're going to get much more out of Nick Foles? No, I don't think so. But if if they are looking to motivate their young wide receiver core, which they have a lot of – great talent in their wide receiver core. If they're looking to motivate the team and make some, you know, free agent moves and, and change the culture in, in Jacksonville, then Nick Foles could be a, a, a small piece of that, um, especially if they go ahead and, you know, add some other pieces in the offseason. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't hate that place. I know that's the, the most popular, you know, talked about place for, for Nick Foles. I I see him going somewhere else. And I, I think the Redskins is definitely a good, a good call there. Any other spot that you could think of Nate for Foles? Cardinals, you know, uh, yeah. like Blake was saying, just because, you know, I think the latest, the GM was talking about how, um, you know, he, his feelings are lukewarm on their current uh, Josh yeah. Rosen quarterback. And they, they think obviously that was a mistake. So there's talks heating up about um, Kyler Murray. Uh, possibly being a target for the Cardinals. So, again, that's a spot where Nick Foles could go in, be the guy for one or two years while whoever they draft, you know, comes up in the system. And Nick Foles, uh, is, he's a veteran in the league. He knows what he's doing, and he can, he could be that for whoever it is, um, you know, the Cardinals draft. One See, the thing I'm thinking is yeah. if you bring in Nick Foles, you could still stick with Josh Rosen and – just use Foles as that mentor. He could be your starter. Uh, when the season goes down the drain, maybe you, you put in uh, Josh Rosen for a little bit. But then the nice thing is you don't waste that draft pick on Kyler Murray, which I personally love Kyler Murray. I want him on my team. But if you have two young quarterbacks like that, eventually, you one, you have to make a decision on which one's going to be your guy. And also, if you do bring in Nick Foles on top of that, Neither of those guys is playing. That's two wasted draft picks where you could be getting somebody on defense um, to at least stop the bleeding in some of those games. Well, one thing I'll say is if they bring in a guy like Foles, I think that boosts Rosen, even if Foles starts the season. At least Rosen understands his time is coming. But if they draft Kyler Murray, I think that kills any confidence that Josh Rosen has. Or maybe I'm wrong, and that could be the boost that he needs to be great. Um, but that, then that would kind of be perplexing for the Cardinals because it seems like if they draft Kyler Murray, that's her, the guy of the future. I don't yeah, the know only thing, the only yeah. thing with bringing Nick Foles on is that I, I, it's hard for me to see Nick Foles wanting to go somewhere to potentially be the backup. I think at this point he wants to be a starter somewhere. Again, how long that ends up being, I don't believe will be too long. It'll be a year or two. Um, but he does want to be a starting quarterback. And if I think if he was going to go to be a, a backup somewhere, he'd probably just stay, you know, with the Eagles um, because it's a, it's a good opportunity for him there as a backup. Exactly. And he would have gotten paid a lot of money to be a backup uh, for the Eagles. So right. um, moving on, uh, another big deal that just came out, actually, as we were about to record here, uh, came out on SleeperBot that the Bears are looking to trade Jordan Howard and that's huge because now you have to think, okay, is it just going to be Tariq Cohen? Because that would be insane for Tariq Cohen's fantasy. So it's fantasy value. So what do the Bears want to do? Blake, what's your, uh, what's your input on this? Like, is there a big market for Jordan Howard right now? Yeah, I'm really happy that they're looking into this. Uh, something I've really wanted to see happen. I think that Tariq Cohen has proved that he can be a runner as well as a pass catcher. So – when I'm looking at that, I see a lot of these guys on the free agency market that they could get somewhat cheap uh, that would suffice for the job because I really don't think there's going to be enough touches in the backfield that it's really going to make a difference if you have Jordan Howard or a running back that's just slightly below him. 
And the nice thing is I think they could trade Jordan Howard for some draft picks. I don't think they're going to be getting any other name players back, but if they could get some draft picks and some cash, I really think that that could help them in the coming years. You know, if they want to add another piece to that already really great defense or better yet, get uh, another offensive lineman so that, you know, maybe they can protect Trubisky a little bit more and, you know, help that run game even improve, even though you're taking a loss at running back potentially. Yeah, I mean, my my whole thing is I, I like Jordan Howard. A lot of people love to hate on him for some reason. I don't understand because he's been in the league for three years now. Uh, his first two years, over 1,000 yards. He had six touchdowns the first year, nine the second. He just got off nine more touchdowns in 2018, and he missed 1,000 yards by 65 yards. So um, he's a very solid running back who can handle the volume and, you know, granted, it was very early in the season for 2018, but he kind of quieted everybody as to the fact that he can't catch passes. And he showed that early on. Why they went away from it, not sure. But, I mean, what are they going to do? What are the Bears going to do without having that early down back and that bruiser? You know, obviously, Tariq Cohen will see an in- increase in play, but he's not going to be that guy. So they're obviously looking – to free agency, I think Mark Ingram is a good fit um, in that offense. But again, this is we're talking very early about this because the whole Jordan Howard thing just broke today. But I think he immediately becomes the best free agent running back, or not free agent, he be best sought um, running back in you know the off season. So you know, for, if if they end up getting away from Jordan Howard, I'm just curious as to what their plans are for the future. Of course, Matt Nagy likes to run a complex offense, and he likes to have versatile uh, playmakers in in his backfield. I think Jordan Howard is a guy that can be just that. So, like you're saying, Nate, you know, in in three years, he's put together three good campaigns. This past year, he disappointed in fantasy, but he still was the RB twenty overall in PPR leagues and in standard. I'm sure that was even more. Um, So he was even higher up. He had a decent year, but you didn't like what he did for you because you drafted him in the second round. So that's the big thing with Jordan Howard. Um, He, like you said, the nine touchdowns. So he was RB 18 in standard scoring leagues. I I love Jordan Howard as a football player. He's going to get an opportunity. And actually I was looking, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of teams coming up here on our free agents episode uh, that are in need of running back. So we're going to mention the same teams over and over again, but, couple of teams that don't have the salary cap to actually sign a, a, a big guy are the Eagles and the Bucks. Both of those teams, to me, would make good trade candidates for the Bears with Jordan Howard because they would dump a, a guy like uh, maybe Deshaun Jackson for the Bucks If they want to uh, trade Deshaun Jackson to the Bears for Jordan Howard and, you know, a draft pick, something like that, um, that would kind of make sense to me if the Bears want to do that. I mean, like I said, Matt Nagy, I think, wants more playmakers in this offense, guys that can be more versatile and really take the head off of a defense. So I think that he's looking more vertical if he wants to trade away Jordan Howard. Teams like the Raiders could be yeah. looking for a young guy like that that they can build around. Uh, they've, they've got a ton of draft picks, so if they want to get a guy like Howard, they can afford to trade away some of those draft picks uh, and potentially build around him. I love I love that you brought up the, the Raiders for two reasons. One, it makes perfect sense for the Raiders, okay, to get younger, something they – John Gruden does not know how to do. He right. loves getting old uh, with that team. Um, so that would go against the grain for, you know, the Raiders, but it does make perfect sense, that, that spot there. Um, not sure what they would have to give up to get him, but um, I think – you know, given their running back situation, you know, they have Jalen Richard, who's a, who's a great pass catching back uh, to compliment whoever the bruiser is going to be. Um, so I think Jordan Howard to the Raiders is a, is a great pick um, and, and one that makes sense. Uh, but I think we'd have to see kind of how, how things are unfolding and what teams are showing interest in the next couple of days. Yeah. Jordan Howard is only what, 24 years old, right? Yeah. He's 24. Right. He's 24, so it makes a lot of sense. I love that call for the Raiders. 
Um, I think that Gruden has draft picks now, of course, with the Cleo Mack trade. That was the team that they traded, for, you know, to Cleo Mack too. So <laughs> just give the picks right back to the Bears and they yeah, get Cleo I mean, Mack for free. Oh, that would be the most <laughs> backwards thing ever. Cool. So let's keep it moving here, guys. We're going to start off with 2019 busts, and we want to talk about one guy each that we think is going to be a bust based on their ADP. And, Nate, I'll let you start us off. Sure. I mean, for me, that guy is going to be Tyler Lockett. Uh, he's currently the 17th wide receiver off of boards right now. Obviously, very early ADP numbers uh, in February. But, you know, 43rd overall. He's being drafted ahead of Doug Baldwin, which I think is a big mistake, especially after last season when Baldwin, Baldwin declared that he wasn't 100% and he wasn't likely going to be 100% all year. So we kind of expected a down year out of Doug Baldwin. The Seahawks, they want to stick to their run game. They know that's their best opportunity at, you know, um, succeeding in their offense. Uh, For passing attempts, Russell Wilson last year ranked 20th amongst all quarterbacks in 2018. So Mm -hmm. that's not the kind of numbers I want to see when I'm considering a a wide receiver as early as he's going in drafts. And I think he's going to disappoint a lot of people should he continue on this uh, path of of being drafted as early as he is as a high-end uh, wide receiver too. Yeah, I mean, he finished as a wide receiver 11 in standard scoring leagues, and he only caught 57 passes. Oh, that is not sustainable. 71 targets, right? So, of course, 10 touchdowns, which is an obvious outlier. So I think that's a good call, Nate. Um, he's going to go a little bit higher than he should, and someone's going to blow a pick with Tyler Lockett even see but the thing is you know he can produce for you it's just not going to be where you draft him that he's going to return that value right yeah our guy Bob Lung's always talking about consistency and that's how you're going to win your leagues you know drafting guys like Antonio Brown or Devontae Adams guys that can consistently put up you know eight receptions and 100 yards and a touchdown with Lockett I'm just a little bit worried about that there's a couple other options there that I think are going to take away from his potential And I also feel like that offensive line does not protect Russell Wilson enough to where he can sit there and get time to get open to lock it. Right. Why don't you go ahead, Blake, with yours? I'm very unhappy about this. Yeah, I think I'm going to make a lot of people mad about this. And honestly, I I kind of feel bad doing it because I'm a huge Nick Chubb fan. uh, But I just don't see the 14th overall pick. If I'm in fantasy and I'm getting this guy at the beginning of the second round, I don't think I'm going to be very happy with it. He's the eighth running back overall. Uh, some guys that we've we've talked about, you know, David Johnson, Leonard Fournette, Philip Lindsay, uh, you know, a couple of these guys, Aaron Jones, Devontae Freeman, who I'm going to talk about. All these guys are below him. I just don't think there's enough ceiling there for him to be a huge value. Obviously, I think he's going to have a couple huge games. Baker Mayfield in college had great success for his running backs. Um, I think basically because he spread the field so much, uh, the defense got a little bit soft and it helped his running backs have big games. But in the NFL, uh, things are a little bit different. And one thing I'm worried about, especially if I'm drafting in Dynasty, which, you know, maybe in Dynasty I'm fine with him there a little bit higher. But one thing I'm worried about in redraft is the potential that Kareem Hunt could come back after 10 or 12 weeks right before the fantasy playoffs. So even if Chubb has a great couple weeks at the beginning, I don't know at the end of the season, is he going to be the guy and is he still going to be fresh and playing well? Yeah, no, it's a good call. I think people are going to really have to look at Nick Chubb um, with that perspective this year when they're drafting him because there is going to be the worry of Kareem Hunt. Of course, we will know way ahead of time about Kareem Hunt's suspension. But that'll dictate a lot. Now, I'm with you. I think it's worrisome as a Nick, Nick Chubb owner once Kareem Hunt does come back. Let's say he comes back after, you know, week 10. If Chubb is playing well like he did last year and, you know, he's their go-to guy, he's getting like 18 to 20 carries a game, I don't know if that's all of a sudden going to stop, right? I think that he still is going to get a good amount of volume even when Kareem Hunt comes back. So, I hear you. Uh, it's going to be tough because he is the eighth running back off the board, but you really got to believe in Nick Chubb if you're going to do it. So you, you like Nick Chubb, but you're, you're saying that if Kareem Hunt comes back, you're, you're kind of worried about the volume. Yeah, I absolutely want Nick Chubb on my team, but early second, no way. Middle of the third, I'm, I'm loving that. If I could get him in the third round, I love it. I'll take it all day. 
he's going to have a great year, but I'm a little bit worried at the end of the year. You know, if he's the only running back, one, he might be tired. And two, if Kareem Hunt does come back, I don't think he's going to lose all of his role, obviously, but it could be a 50-50 type role. I agree with Blake here just because, you know, I, I talked about this on with Keaton on the Fantasy Teal podcast where I just don't understand why the Browns keep doing this where just yeah. when you think they have a solid foundation at, you know, a certain position, say, you know, obviously running back here. They did the same thing with Carlos Hyde last year. You're like, wow, he's going to be a great value. Then they go ahead and draft Nick Chubb. And that completely dampered that for both guys. So now everybody's saying, wow, look how great Nick, Nick Chubb was last year. He's a young guy. They just drafted him last year. He's, gonna, he's ready to take on this offense. And then they go ahead and add Kareem Hunt. It's like That's I understand true. owners aren't thinking for fantasy football, right? They're not they don't care about that. But, you know, that's what we're talking about and to me the addition of Cream Hunt decreases his value, decreases Chubb's value because now Nick Chubb as a young guy is thinking, "Huh, did I not do enough for them last year? Why are they going after another running back? Do they not believe I can handle everything? Um, what happens when he does come back? What if I'm in a two-game stretch where I'm not like producing the best I could possibly do? And he comes in and he has a great game, and now all of a sudden I'm 50-50 splits with him? Like That is not something you want to do to your young running back. And it's unfair, really, what they've done to him because he's already proven that he can be their back for the future. And now throwing Kareem Hunt just makes a mess out of everything. So I'm not sure why they made the move, but I do believe it does hurt Chubb's value. Um, you know, obviously not at the beginning of the season. So if you have him and you draft him, I suggest trading him, you know, weeks before Kareem Hunt is due to come back. That would be my suggestion. Yeah. So if Kareem Hunt is suspended six games, obviously that hurts his Nick Chubb's ADP. I think his ADP would drop. Um, it would probably drop down to the end of the second, early third round for Nick Chubb if Kareem Hunt misses six games. If he misses like 10 games, then that's when I start thinking, okay, he's worth that early second round pick. Like, if, I think that's the limit. Like, for 10 games for me would be the limit. And I'd be like, okay, I'm good with drafting Nick Chubb early second round. For someone that you're drafting that high, you're expecting them to be the workhorse throughout. Yeah. And that's the most critical time in fantasy football where you're heading into the playoffs and now there's a bunch of question marks behind him. That's not what you want for your, you know, either your top running back, you know, in the draft or possibly your second. You're lucky if you get him as your second, but if you get him as your second, then I guess you're in a better spot. But for most, it's going to be their first running back. And that's, that's tough to, you know, going into fantasy playoffs thinking, oh, man, now Cream, it's a mess when Cream Hunt gets back. And that's just the reality of it. It's something that we're going to have to think about as drafters now because it's not just draft Nick Chubb and we're okay. It's going to be, okay, draft Nick Chubb, but I'm going to potentially lose work after week 10 because Cream Hunt's coming back. Okay, so I have to plan ahead. Maybe I draft Cream Hunt later and kind of, you know, the, the difference kind of equals out there. But I think – that whatever the amount of time that Nick Chubb is going to be the number one running back for the Browns this year, he's going to be great. So if he's, if it's 10 games, that first 10 games, he's going to be great. And even when Kareem Hunt comes back, I think that he's going to be all right. Um, obviously the volume is going to be a little bit less, uh, but I don't think they're going to take away the keys to the car just like that. Who's um, your bus, Steve? My bust. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, Nate. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, my bus is Philip Lindsay and I love Philip Lindsay. I love undrafted rookies. Um, unfortunately they, there isn't a great history of undrafted rookies having sustained success in the NFL at the running back position. I like what Philip Lindsay did last year. And I, and obviously he's a pro bowler, but that early third round ADP is what we're looking at right now. I don't know where that's going to fluctuate to, but I don't think it's going to get out of the fourth or the third round. I think it's going to be somewhere in there. And I'm not paying a third round pick for Philip Lindsay right now. Not when they just drafted Royce Freeman and they were still giving him work throughout the, throughout the year. The offense is going to look a little different. Joe Flacco is going to be at the helm here and we'll see what happens, but it's something that I am not going to touch Philip Lindsay with in the third round. I, I'd rather, there's a lot of players around Philip Lindsay in this ADP that I'd rather get 
Travis Kelsey is right there. Joe Mixon is going behind him. Dalvin Cook, even guys like Aaron Jones, I would consider. So it's really tough to get Philip Lindsay at that 3.02 ADP. I think you're kind of on the same boat with Philip Lindsay that I am uh, over there in Cleveland with Nick Chubb. And I think we both kind of have the same reasons for it. We like the potential. We like what we've seen. But we're a little bit concerned about their situation. Obviously, in Denver, having Royce Freeman there, and you've seen how the workload kind of developed in, in year one. Philip Lindsay had the bulk, but it wasn't an overwhelming bulk. Um, and obviously, he's going to be coming off the, inter, uh, the injury. And then now you add in Joe Flacco. So are they going to be throwing the ball more? What's going to be going on? Makes me a little bit nervous to have Philip Lindsay at the beginning of the third. Uh, if I'm in the fourth, absolutely, I'd take it. I think you're safe enough there. You've got enough other solid players above him. But yeah. just a little bit worried that early. And I agree. I, I Honestly, I believe the addition of Joe Flacco doesn't, tr- doesn't really scare me off of the running back situation. Um, but that being said – I don't. I still don't think it's very clear as to the direction they want to go at running back. And I don't think Philip Lindsay was their was their plan last year. I mean, right. clearly wasn't. And a lot can happen from year one to year two. And I'm talking about Royce Freeman now, where you know he was embarrassed. He was he was completely embarrassed. He was supposed to be the guy there, and you know he completely failed at that. And you know he took a back seat to Philip Lindsay and. You know, there could be a, a lot that transpires over this offseason where they see a lot more out of Royce Freeman. They work him in a little bit more, and that turns into a timeshare. Share, and I believe that's what we're looking at in Denver, uh, regardless uh, who's, you know, who's the number one at running back. I don't believe is a true number one. And I believe, you know, you're right when you say paying an early third round for someone who isn't going to be a true number one is is – Toeing the line. So I, I agree with you when it comes to uh, Philip Lindsay. I think the Broncos want to run the ball, and they're going to. So Lindsay is going to be in store for some carries. But Freeman is, uh, Royce Freeman isn't going anywhere. And I think he's only going to improve in year two. Um, Agreed. All right. So we got our bust candidates out of the way. Now let's get on to some positive energy. Our comeback candidates, okay? So these are guys that really stuck it up last year. And I actually like these guys because I think they're going to be valuable in drafts. Um, and a couple, you know, a couple of the guys that you have, uh, Nate and Blake, were injury guys. So a lot of times we forget about injured players uh, when we're looking at ADP. They might not get you know the respect they deserve. But I'm going to start us off. I'm going to talk about Jameis Winston real quick. He was a quarterback one uh, weeks eleven through. Uh, 15 last season, uh, 11 through 14, sorry. And look, we know what Jameis Winston's going to do, but now he gets Bruce Arians, who I think is somebody that can tone down the erratic behavior just enough. And how he's going to do that is by calling good plays, calling good offensive plays where they're getting vertical down the field even more so than they have been in the past in Tampa Bay. Um, I think they're going to add a running back to this team that can catch the ball and be a playmaker out of the backfield. I really like Jameis Winston's upside. You can get him like in the 12th round, most likely this year. Um, And if you're going to like wait on a quarterback, you might as well wait on a guy with big upside. Winston has that of course. Um, And if he can tone down the the turnovers, he will be very valuable for your fantasy team. Yeah. I'm going to go with Devontae Freeman. Uh, The reason I like Devontae Freeman is because Tevin Coleman is a free agent. I don't think he's going to stay in Atlanta. So if he leaves, the only person there to vulture anything is Edo Smith. And obviously we saw it this year. He can vulture, uh, especially in touchdowns. But the thing is, I think Tevin Coleman's a step above Edo Smith. And if Devontae Freeman had good fantasy production with Tevin Coleman, then he should have perfectly fine fantasy production with Ito Smith, and a lot of people are probably going to forget about Freeman when it comes to the draft. They're going to be looking at guys like Philip Lindsay and Nick Chubb uh, in that kind of tier of running backs where you might be able to sneak Freeman in there. Yeah, that's a good pick. And speaking of Ito Smith, uh, you know, Sleeperbot kind of ruined that whole party for me because I was, I was definitely going to keep him a secret. And then, you know, of course they come out today saying he's expected to get a whole bunch more work which would make sense with Tevin Coleman leaving so 
Uh, yeah, I like that pick. Devontae Freeman still, Devonta Freeman's still going to be the guy there. And he is one of my favorite running backs uh, when healthy. So uh, my guy's going to be A.J. Green. Now, I mean, that should be pretty obvious because in eight seasons, A.J. Green has under 1,000 receiving yards just twice. Uh, in 2016, when he only played 10 games, he still ended the season with 964 yards. Mm. So he was only 36 yards off of 1,000. And then last year, he only played nine games, obviously, because of injury. So when healthy, and I hate saying that whole preface, when healthy, but it's true with almost any player, you know, Green is a safe a floor and very high ceiling type of wide receiver. Um, and he, he isn't injury prone, even though he's had, he's faced some injuries in, in, you know, two of the last three seasons, he's not an injury prone guy. So he's no longer in a walking boot. He's very excited for this offense in 2019. And I expect him to pick up right where he left off, which is, you know, hitting over a thousand yards and, and six or more touchdowns, which is what he always does. So AJ green for sure will be a comeback candidate. So AJ Green's ADP right now three oh one, Philip Lindsay three oh two. Nate, you're on the clock. Green or Lindsay? Uh depends on what I do with the first two picks. So uh you know <laughs> That's typically, a great answer. <laughs> typically I go running back early. Um but again, it's all about position. If I have like, you know, the one oh eight or later, I might go running back or might go wide receiver early, which then in turn you know, I want to get two running backs with my f- within my first four picks. Right. And I'll be pretty disappointed if that doesn't happen. So, you know, depending on where my position is in the draft, I would definitely go A.J. Green because typically, like I said, I want to get a running back early. Um, so yeah. I would get – if I don't get running back with number one pick, my number two pick would definitely be a running back. And then A.J. Green falling to me in the third, I- I'm telling you, like I said, Six out of eight seasons, over a thousand yards. One season with ten games, almost a thousand yards. So he's he's a shoe in for, you know, a top ten uh, wide receiver, if not better. So yeah. I would I would be happy with AJ Green over Philip Lindsay, especially given you know the the target volume volume he would receive versus the questionable uh, volume you know Lindsay would get in Denver. Yeah, I would be very happy with A.J. Green being my wide receiver, too. So if he's a third-round pick, uh, that's what appeals to me. Uh, would he be him pairing him up with, like, you know, a Juju Smith-Schuster or something like that? I mean, right. that, yeah. would, that would be, you know, a good start to your draft. So let's get into it. We're going to cover the free agent running backs today. We're going to go into which team we think that they'll land on. Of course, this is all hypothetical, but – we want to project and we want to be prepared uh, because all of these guys are going to be on different teams. First, I want to just talk about real quick. Frank Gore tweeted out back to the Bay three sixteen nineteen, And he put little lock emojis on there saying that that's a lock. He's going to be back in the Bay, which I assume means he's going to be a 49er and that he'll retire there. Now I'm not sure if he'll sign and then retire or if he's going to play this whole season. If he does, I love that with him and Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida. I think that's a great trio. And I don't think that does – that doesn't hurt Jarek McKinnon too much, I don't think. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Of course, that's projecting a little bit. Let's get into Le'Veon Bell, though. And Le'Veon Bell is going to be the most sought-after free agent running back, obviously. All the teams that we're going to talk about today most likely are going to have meetings with Le'Veon Bell before they meet with anyone else. So – there's going to be a Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes sort of thing. Nathan, who's going to land Le'Veon Bell? So first of all, as a reminder, yeah, Le'Veon Bell will be the most sought after running back. And I said earlier that, that if, you know, Jordan uh, Howard, Jordan Howard was going to be on the trade block that he would be the the most sought after correction. Obviously (laughs) Le'Veon Bell is number one. It's easy to forget about him though, because he appears to not even care about football, and he sat all last season. So, a little jab on, on Bell there, but he's obviously number one. Well, For that's kind of like last year when a lot of times I'd be like, yeah, he's my favorite rookie running back. Yeah. And I'd be discluding Saquon Barkley, obviously, right? But I'm right. like, oh, no, 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 not – no, second, second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, for me, uh, Le'Veon Bell, I hate to go with what the industry majority is. And, and for me, it's the Jets. And it just makes sense. You know, um, the Jets have a desperate need at the position. 
Um, they have the money to land Bell, who, let's face it, is going to the highest bidder. And obviously, for me, and I think the world believes the highest bidder will be the New York Jets. And, you know, I mean, he's in New York. He can continue his his rap album and recording rap and doing all that in, in New York, and it's a good place for him. Um, you know, obviously, he loves Miami. That's another possibility. But as far as when it comes to cash money, I think Lev Bell is going to go where that goes, and that's going to be with the New York Jets. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that he is chasing the the money. He's obviously set a number for himself. I think he wants something at least 55 guaranteed, 17 a year, something like that. The Jets, I think we're all saying they're suckers. They'll pay him. Um, and that makes sense to me. Uh, I think that New York makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to play devil's advocate. There's a bunch of teams that could land Le'Veon Bell, including the Raiders, which isn't in, on our list. Uh, but you know, Nate, I'm not sure if you'd listen to any hip-hop at all, but you know what city has a big hip-hop influence these days is Houston. I guess say Houston, yeah, okay. <laughs> so if I do you, listen to hip-hop, by the way. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. So Houston has a big hip-hop. Uh, so I'm not sure if that appeals to Le'Veon or what. But look, the Texans can pay Le'Veon. They have the fifth most in cap space. So they're looking at about 75 mil uh, in cap space, according to Spotrack. Um, and they obviously are in a position to win. They're a playoff team. If they get a player like Le'Veon Bell, they're a Super Bowl contender. It's as easy as that. That trio with Deshaun Watson, Le'Veon Bell, and your boy D-Hop, Nate, I think that would be a spectacular uh, team offensively, and they don't have many years of Clowney and J.J. Watt. Actually, I think Clowney might be a restricted free agent. not sure. He might be not on contract. I'm not sure. But, look, they only have so many years of J.J. Watt. I think they're going to want to push for Le'Veon Bell. That's a good landing spot. I, I, I mean, that kind of be a dream scenario uh, with right. the core offensive weapons they would have there. Uh, it's a big ask, though, and it's, I think it's a stretch. But um, for fantasy purposes, obviously, it's kind of a dream scenario. For sure. I mean, you know, you look at teams like the Colts. I mean, they have just as much cap space as the Jets, so they're – certainly in play as well yeah so mine is going to be a little bit of a long shot but I, I think this would make the most sense as far as from a team what they could do with Le'Veon Bell uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the San Francisco 49ers uh sec second part of that is you know the New York market is going to be number one there I think uh the Jets are going to be able to give them more money and it's going to be a little bit cheaper to live in New York than it will be in San Francisco so that might be something that comes into play but the weather's going to be nice in San Francisco all year long. You know Le'Veon Bell likes that. Uh, West Coast obviously has a huge rap influence. That's something to think about with Hollywood being there. And, you know, the thing for me is you look at Jarek McKinnon. That's going to be the first thought. You know, oh. That was going to be my got, question. They've got Matt Breida. they got Jarek McKinnon. The nice thing I like about Le'Veon Bell is he's so versatile that you can put him in the slot on some of these plays so that he's still out on the field all the time like he wants to be. But – He's not having to run the ball every time getting hit. You still get Jarek McKinnon, his role that he deserves. And you've got another guy, George Kittle, who's going to help spread the field. So if you wanted to put Le'Veon Bell in the slot opposite him, it could really open up a lot of creative play calling. And I think that could help further the development of Jimmy Garoppolo, too, having that many weapons. That's some 21st century thinking right there, Blake. That's some new wave getting Levy yeah. on and then playing him in the slot, all, you know, as well, thinking outside the box. I mean, that would be awesome, I think, for a Kyle Shanahan offense, of course, um, especially because, you know, the receiving core is pretty limited there. And, of course, we've heard about Antonio Brown uh, being open about the 49ers being a landing spot. It's not out of question that these two players, Le'Veon and Antonio Brown, who are good friends, they could play together. You know, if they're really trying to bring the NBA uh, mentality into the NFL, which it kind of seems like that's what's happening with these two players, why not just play together? Uh, so that's not out of the question. And I think that the 49ers are a nice little dark horse to throw in. Would uh, that not be fun to watch, though? <laughs> oh, yeah. And for fantasy, what more can you ask for? Um, so let's talk about Mark Ingram who I would say is probably the second best uh, free agent running back in this class. Nate, why don't you start us off talking about Mark Ingram, who it's not without question that he could return to the Saints, by the way. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that is a possibility. I think it's fair for him, obviously, to test free agency. I think he's happy with the Saints, uh, but obviously, the ongoing belief there is that the Saints hate Mark Ingram, right. uh, and they've always they've always hated him. So, um, you know, obviously, I don't believe that, but I think it's just because of the way they've chosen to utilize him in the offense when he clearly can handle a lot more than what he's been given there. Um, but if he wants to expand and, and be the number one and be the guy, I think the Ravens makes, you know, make a ton of sense. Right now, the Ravens have three free agent running backs, Alex Collins, Ty Montgomery, and Buck Allen. Collins is a restricted free agent. Free agent so, you know, I'd expect the Ravens to be very active in free agency. You know, Ingram, he just makes sense for this offense. He's a bruiser type back that can also bail uh, the young Lamar Jackson out of trouble as a pass catcher. So the Ravens haven't made the best decisions at running back. So depending on the outcome or, you know, of landing Ingram or not, I wouldn't be shocked to see if, you know, they keep restricted free agent Collins to pair with Edwards and Dixon. But I believe that Ingram himself is, is a good all in one choice for, for this Ravens offense. I love that call. Yeah. And it's a good call because they probably are going to lose a couple of these guys to free agency. So they need to fill a spot. They're going to need to fill a spot. Yeah. I definitely like to pick to the Ravens. I think that could be a good landing spot. I I'm going to go with the Eagles and I'm not honestly totally sold on my own pick, but I do think that it would be smart for them to get somebody like Mark Ingram. I don't know if they can really trust Josh Adams to be the guy moving forward. And the thing I'm seeing with their team, you know, you look at Clement, Smallwood, and Sproles. All three of those guys are kind of undersized, outside-the-tackle type backs, receiving type backs, things like that. Whereas Mark Ingram's a guy you can run with first and second down, and you know you're going to have a third and short which with Carson Wentz, I'm very confident in picking up third and short type situations. Uh, I think that's somebody that they need that can be more of a game manager instead of just for explosive plays because when you look at that offense, if Carson Wentz doesn't have it and that receiver core might not be that great when uh, if Golden Tate doesn't make it back there. So that's something to consider where you might need a running back to kind of slow the game down and pick up those first downs. That's, that's the one thing the Eagles have been really missing, though, is just having that guy, having the workhorse back. And, you know, they tried it with Ajayi. Obviously, Ajayi's injuries have just completely taken him out of the, you know, the picture, which is unfortunate because I think he's got the talent. His body just tells him otherwise. So, you know, the Eagles really need to do that. I just feel like Doug Peterson tries to be too cute at the position, and he feels that he's one of those believers where – he doesn't need one of those big name running backs to, right. you know, uh, propel his offense. So that's the one concern I have with that. But I do believe that having Mark Ingram there makes perfect sense for them. I just don't think it makes perfect sense for Doug Peterson's way of thinking. I think that they're going to want to add somebody. I'd be surprised if Darren Sproles doesn't retire. Um, and, you know, Doug Peterson, like you said, he wants – all the running backs he could possibly get. So I think he's, they're going to add somebody. I think Mark Ingram is a good call. Um, but, you know, you guys both bring up good points that I am in on is that they need a go-to running back. I mean, especially with Carson Wentz, if they really want to protect him, they need a go-to guy they can rely on and, you know, not be stuck with Smallwood who might produce and might not. So trading for a guy like Jordan Howard makes more and more sense to me. Um, but Mark Ingram would be a great sign. Um, a team I'm going to talk about a couple times uh, in this episode is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I love the idea of a running back landing in this spot right now because I think that Peyton Barber right now, he's a restricted free agent. So I'm not sure if they're going to retain him or not. Jaquiz Rogers is gone and they're, they got Ronald Jones. And we all know that Ronald Jones isn't a three-down back. Mark Ingram landing on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be great for his career right now because he doesn't have many great years left. I think he's going to be 30 or he is 30. He's right around uh, 30 where, you know, of course you go downhill, but if he gives you a couple years in Tampa as 
Bruce, Bruce Arians running back in this high-powered offense, I think he's a great fantasy asset. So when I'm looking at, you know, picking a team, I want to look at what makes sense and then what also would be good for fantasy. I think Mark Ingram in Tampa Bay would be great for fantasy for Mark Ingram. So let's move on to Jay Ajahi. And I'm going to just throw it out. I think that he lands with somebody like the Lions. I love on Johnson. I don't want them to do that. But I think LeGarrette Blunt's moving on from Detroit. And Matt Patricia, obviously, is a disciple of Bill Belichick. All he knows is running back by committee. So he wants a specific role for running backs. And I think Jay Ajahi is worth a shot for a team like the Lions. Um, but I also put in the Raiders because the Raiders are going to sign someone. And I think we were hip to it earlier that Gruden, it would make more sense to get a younger guy. Jay Ajahi is only 25 years old, might be willing to take the risk on Jay Ajahi. Yeah, Jay Ajayi, just again, as I was just talking about him, his his injuries are really <laughs> making him a non-attractive option for whoever it is that decides to bring him on. Right. Um, he could be somebody who isn't picked off right away in the in the off season, and you know, and ironically enough, he could be added to a team that that is desperate at the position. You know, a few games in when they have an injury to their own running back, uh, you know, core. So right. for me, JJ, I, I'm not sure he makes sense anywhere. Um, you know, and, and not to say that he's not going to land somewhere. I just don't think at least for fantasy purposes, you know, there's a certain spot that, that makes sense for him that is going to even lead me to believe I'm going to get some kind of value out of him, regardless of where I draft him in fantasy drafts. So Jay Jai for me is not a guy I'm not even I'm going to skip right over him and not look at him in 2019. I heard an interesting thing today I was on uh, the Fantasy Pond with uh, Rob Grimwood um and he actually suggested the uh the New Orleans Saints. So that that was an interesting thing to me because I think that they're going to have a role to fill if Mark Ingram does leave. Yeah, so I'm kind of in the same boat with Nate. I I think that Jay Ajayi has a lot of talent. And a couple of years ago when he was with Miami, I absolutely loved him. I thought he had a great future ahead of him. But that injury bug just never went away. Uh, so I'm a little bit just too concerned to, to draft him. And if he has a normal year in a good role, you're going to get a great value on him where you draft him most likely. But it just seems too high risk to me. Uh, that being said, the two teams where I can see him going is, one, the Buffalo Bills, who have a young team. Uh, they will be looking to replace LaShawn McCoy uh, in the near future. Right. And right now he could be a good compliment to help a great you know, take some of that load off of him and help get him healthy and then transition him into that star role in a couple of years. That's a possibility. Um, but then again, with the injury bug, playing in Buffalo is probably the last place you want to be. So I, exactly. You know, it's just going to make those injuries come that much easier. That's one reason I really like Detroit. And like you said, I think he could be uh, a pretty good piece in that offense, especially in a running back by committee type role. Yeah, I really would hate that. I want to see carry on, obviously get the expanded workload. But Buffalo Buffalo is fourth uh, in cap space. So they, they could definitely sign the running back um, next year, or actually this year, both Chris Ivory and LaShawn McCoy are on contract years. Um, so let's move on to Tevin Coleman. Um, I'm going to say the Jets, and like I mentioned before, I think everyone's going to talk. You know, go to Le'Veon first. He's going to make his decision, and then teams are going to scramble. And the Jets is going to be one of those teams. They're going to want a running back, so they're going to get somebody that's available. Tevin Coleman's going to be the guy. Yeah, I put two teams here, and I actually don't know if either will get him. Uh, I put the 49ers again because I think he's another guy who could complement McKinnon pretty well, but I don't like it near as much as Bell. Uh, so I, I'm not real excited about him going there. And another place where I'm not excited about him going for fantasy value, but I think it would be a good business move on the part of the team, is if he went to the Cowboys. I don't expect Rod Smith to be uh, somebody that the Cowboys would lean on if something were to happen with Ezekiel Elliott as far as an injury would go. And I think they really need an insurance policy because after they got Amari Cooper – they put the right pieces into that offense, and they already had the defense and the lines built up to where they could compete. Uh, but if they lose Ezekiel Elliott, that whole world's going to come crashing down, and they've just got to have somebody back there uh, to be able to protect in case something like that would happen. But 
we were looking at the salary earlier, and Ezekiel is going to need, need paid here again soon, and it's going to be a huge contract, maybe a record-breaking contract. So um, I'm a little bit worried about Tevin Coleman going there because I don't think they're going to want to give him enough money for him to actually go there. But I think that's a great pick, though, and you're right. It makes football sense for the Cowboys to do that. God forbid something happens to Zeke. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. They've already talked about uh, landing a deal, you know, with Zeke before the season starts and, and making Dak happy. And I, I think they want to get their core going. And, you know, it may be tough depending on what, what kind of market Coleman drives. But if, if, you know, it comes up pretty dry, I mean, I think this makes a lot of sense for Tevin Coleman, although they are working Zeke Elliott into uh, the receiving game a lot more um, than they have, which is – something that I've been calling for, for, you know, since he started in the league. So, um, you know, he's proven, Zeke has proven that he's capable of doing those things, but I think, you know, it does make sense to have somebody just a notch above Rod Smith. I love Rod Smith, but I think Tevin Coleman uh, would make a lot more sense in this offense. For me, I think Tevin Coleman makes a ton of sense for the Buccaneers. Um, You know, it just feels right. I think, I think he's a small, speedy back that can handle heavy workload on the ground and contribute on a regular basis in the passing game. You know, the Buccaneers haven't been able to pull those, thing, those two things together uh, with multiple backs in recent memory. So they can get kind of like a two-for-one deal with Tevin Coleman in this offense where they can get that, you know, early down bruiser um, that can also, you know, run out in the flat and, and, and relieve their – quarterback and catch some some dump passes and be effective in that game as well so I think they could really get like a a a good package running back in Tevin Coleman and I don't think it's going to cost them that much Um, but I think he's probably going to be their best option obviously giving what their running backs look like now so I like him to the Bucks. Yeah, Tevin Coleman like I think we agree on he's not going to get as much as he might want uh, but, you know, Tampa Bay can make it work. Uh, they don't have a lot of cap space, but I think they're eligible to get somebody where they can pay somebody on like a $5 million a year sort of thing. Um, maybe Tevin Coleman falls into that category. So C.J. Anderson is a guy that earned himself a paycheck, I believe, uh, in the last couple weeks of the season into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl. Um, so I think somebody's going to sign him. I think it's going to be the Raiders. Um, of course, there are teams that are eligible to grab him. The Raiders need a running back. I think C.J. Anderson is 28, might be 29 coming in the next year. Uh, they're going to need somebody. I think Gruden likes that kind of style of running back. Uh, C.J. Anderson to the Raiders. Yeah, I think C.J. Anderson's going to have a decent market, but I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to give him a lot of cash just based off what they've – you know, kind of saw at the beginning of this last year. And that wasn't really C.J. Anderson's fault, per se. Um, Beginning of the year, I was really high on C.J. Anderson. And then, you know, he just didn't play. And that was simply it. But then at the end of the year, he did really well. Uh, That was the C.J. Anderson I was expecting to see this whole year. It was a little bit unfortunate. But um, I don't think the Rams can let him walk. They've already got him incorporated into that offense. And even if he does take a step back from Todd Gurley, I think it's going to be very important for them to use C.J. Anderson to give Todd Gurley a break. You see how much he gets the ball, and when you've got a guy making that much money that's that important to your team, you got to get him breaks earlier on in the season. That way he can be playing in the playoffs, and you don't have to have C.J. Anderson being your lead guy trying to keep you afloat. Yeah, I'm going to have to echo a lot of what Blake just said, and I think we're on the same page when it comes to C.J. Anderson because – C.J. Anderson was the reason I was so low on Christian McCaffrey, you know, heading into the season just because, you know, C.J. Anderson was a forgotten guy who was a thousand yard rusher the year before. And the Panthers, we all thought they were kind of joking when, you know, uh, Rivera was saying, oh, CMC is going to see X amount of touches, you know, trying to throw everyone off of C.J. Anderson's tails. But the truth is, that that was their plan. He he wasn't he wasn't faking it. You know they didn't utilize C.J. Anderson. And it wasn't because of a talent thing. Uh, and then C.J. Anderson uh, went somewhere else. Did he go to the uh, Raiders? Like he had such a weird season, C.J. Anderson. And then he ends up on the Rams, 
right. where, you know, where, where um, toward the end of the season, they stop utilizing Todd Gurley and, and they keep saying it wasn't injury related. And it's such a weird scenario going on there. Yet CJ Anderson was their guy. And we saw a million times looking at the sideline, you know, fully dressed and ready to go. Todd Gurley just sitting there and CJ Anderson just, you know, take unbelievable numbers heading into the playoffs. So for me, I, I just don't think, I think CJ Anderson has kind of missed his window as far as getting a starting job somewhere. And it's unfortunate because he's a young guy and I, I really believe he's still got a ton of talent and maybe other teams see that. I just think at this point, he's going to probably get something where he's going to be in a timeshare or possibly, you know, a, a, a reliever for another starting running back. And if that's the case, it wouldn't make sense for him to leave the Rams. It would make sense for him to stay with the team. He just made the Super Bowl with, and, you know, possibly ride that wave and, you know, God forbid something happens to Gurley. We already know CJ Anderson can step in and be the guy there. So, I don't see him moving away from the Rams this offseason. Yeah, it's a good call. I think that he uh, – and you're right. It was the Raiders that actually had signed him this season yeah. and then cut him. Um, so not likely that he'll go back there. The Rams are the most likely, but I think that teams are definitely going to be interested in C.J. Anderson. Um, you know, maybe even a team like the Saints, who I think it would be fantastic. I think Marshawn Lynch is a guy – he's a free agent. Um, Nate, I'm on board with you that, look, he's probably just going to – flat out retire yeah but the Raiders are the other possible destination as Raiders are bust for a lot of people but I think that maybe he wants a ring maybe he wants to try to win another Super Bowl and he knows he only has one or two years left New Orleans would make a lot of sense and I really like the idea of Marshawn Lynch replacing Mark Ingram in that Mark Ingram role and relieving Alvin Kamara um, that would be a lethal force and it would actually be, you know, a really substantial boost for their offense. I think Marshawn Lynch going over there on a minimum deal would be pretty fantastic. I don't see them wanting to pick up all the uh, Skittles out of the turf there in <laughs> New Orleans. So that, that could be a problem. Uh, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. Uh, I just think that if he comes in on a one-year deal, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get multiple-year offers anywhere. It's going to be a one-year deal most likely. And if I'm looking anywhere that he might get a one-year deal, it's probably going to be a place like Kansas City who just wants somebody to hold them over. They're going to have Spencer Wareback and Damian Williams, and that's pretty much it. So even if Marshawn Lynch does lose out on that starting job to Damian Williams or maybe Spencer Ware, who I think will probably be the backup, you know, I think it's still worth it for them to get somebody like that to uh, bring an energy – an energy there, you know, another persona when you've already got these superstars like Kelsey and Hill and Mahomes, you add another superstar name like that. I think it's good for the franchise and it's only a one year deal. So it's probably not going to hurt them financially too much. And like I said, it's just a great insurance policy. It sounds nice, but I think that's the problem when it comes to Marshawn Lynch and why I believe he's just going to retire because you know, you're looking at a one-year, possibly two-year deal, right, with contingencies. But I just think that they're going to have to make it somewhat of a of a significant amount for to maintain Marshawn's, you know, attention to to the deal. And for me, I just think he's been mulling, you know, over retiring the last couple of years now. Um, you know, he loves a lot of things outside of football. Uh, he'll be 33 this season. Uh, the Raiders haven't done anything to improve their team. And right. they're the only ones since, you know, Gruden loves older players that would want to feature him enough to make it worth his while. So for me, I just don't see a market form uh, that's going to, you know, really pique his interest. And I just truly think he retires this year. He's going to, you know, even the Raiders don't even know what he's thinking. And no one really does. Marshawn Lynch, he's a weird he's a weird guy he's a weird character but for me I just I would not be surprised given the season he just had and the fact that he had an injury and he had to go on IR that he's just gonna call it you know call it a career yeah, yeah he I might, think he might he, do that. I think he's gonna hardball people basically 
know, he, he's got a number in his head. I guarantee it that I've got to get this much to make it worthwhile going out there another season and putting my body on the line. And if I don't get this much money, I'm walking away. But, you know, you're going to have to put that number out there to see if teams will even bite at it. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, so real quick before we get out of here, TJ Yeldon is another guy um, with the reports of Ido Smith getting uh, potentially more work. Um, you know, me and Blake picked the Falcons for TJ Yeldon. I think it would be fantastic. Obviously, him stepping into that Tevin Coleman role uh, where he can work in space on a really good uh, Falcons offense where Dirk Cutter is coming back. So, you know, when they say Ido Smith is going to get more work, well, Ido Smith isn't really a pass catcher. So, Devontae Freeman can catch passes and he's very good at it but is that really what you know the primary role they want him in I don't know it seems as if they need somebody out there catching passes more TJ Yeldon makes sense to me but again I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if TJ yep. Yeldon went there and it was him and Ronald Jones I would feel very good about TJ Yeldon going into 2019 I think he could be a three down back he did it when Leonard Fournette was out this year and he right. ended the year with 55 catches uh, and was the RB22 in PPR scoring. I, I neglected to fill in my spot for TJ Yeldon in, in the dock, but I, I do think the Bucks is a good fit for him. Same reasons as I thought for Tevin Coleman. Um, obviously, I think Tevin Go Coleman's a, a much better running back, um, you know, all-around running back, but I think TJ Yeldon would fit there nicely, you know, complementing Ronald Jones in the passing game because TJ Yeldon, man, he, he was unbelievable, even this past season. 77 targets. He had 55 receptions for 487 yards and four touchdowns as a receiver. So, I mean, yeah. not much more you can ask for out of your running back position. So, I think, yeah, I think the Bucks make a lot of sense for, um, for the Bucks if they cannot land Tevin Coleman. But if I were the Bucks, I would put Tevin Coleman number one. If you can't get him, you got to go after TJ Yeldon. Yeah, I'm going to say T.J. Yeldon to the Falcons as well. I think it's just a Tevin Coleman 2.0 plus. A slight yeah. improvement over Tevin Coleman, I think. And it's probably going to be about the same relative price tag for the Falcons to get him. Um, and, you know, it might be good to have a change of scenery there in Atlanta. So I'm going to go with T.J. Yeldon to the Falcons. And I love that for fantasy. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's interesting. T.J. Yeldon and Coleman are both around the same age. And if I had to pick between the two, I think I'm going Yeldon. Uh, I actually like what I saw out of him last year over what I saw from Coleman. And I think Coleman had every opportunity in a very good offense. Um, so it'll be interesting uh, with TJ Yeldon. I think he could be obscure if he lands with the Jets, but he could have really good value if he lands with certain teams. To be honest, I I'm on the Coleman team. I'm on the Coleman side here just because, you know, um, last year I think Yeldon had – like 104 carries, I, I believe, for about 400 yards. And, you know, Tevin Coleman had 167 carries for 800 yards. And then he still at, he tacked on 32 receptions for 276 yards and five more receiving touchdowns yeah. to add on to his four uh, rushing touchdowns. So they are very similar. Um, there's no doubt about it. And there could have been – it could be, a, a, a you know, a reason for – you know, the, the Falcons uh, offense versus the Jaguars last season. However, to me, from what I've seen, I, I believe Tevin Coleman's more of a better, well-rounded uh, well back. Yes. And, and Yeldon, definitely the better receiver. There's no doubt about that. But I'd be curious to see how Yeldon can, can handle those early down um, plays uh, on a different team. Yeah, I think Tevin Coleman excels in the intermediate part of the field after he breaks that five, six yards. But it's getting to that five, six yards that he struggles with, Agreed. as does TJ Yeldon. But once Coleman gets into that space, he can really work. And then he has the breakaway speed, too. So I don't want to discredit Coleman. I think that I just like TJ Yeldon's pass catching. That's what appeals to me there. Um, for both the Falcons and the Buccaneers specifically. Um, for, like I said, if he lands with the Jets, you know, it's not as good of a situation. Um, so, Nate, you know, I didn't even say, man, congrats and welcome. Uh, I appreciate that you, I'm going to be working with you at Fantrax now. I'm really congrats on this, uh, on the role that you landed. 
Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm very excited. You know, I'm uh, working with Fantrax, obviously, now. I've uh, moved on from the fantasy footballers. Uh, tough choice for me, but I just feel like uh, I needed a, a change of scenery. So as a, as a free agent, I, I, I reached out to Fantrax, and uh, actually Joe Pisapia um, recommended yeah. me uh, to Tim, and Tim reached out to me, and uh, things worked out. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to be on the team, and I'm doing some stuff with uh, the social media side as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man, and I, I appreciate, um, you know, uh, working with you and and Blake, man, we're no strangers. You know, uh, we're we're buddies from the conference last year, and uh, hope to see you both uh, in the conference uh, heading heading you know into this summer. Hey, man, Absolutely. we'll be there. We will be there. Blake is gonna pick me up promptly. And we- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna drive. I'm gonna drive out to the East Coast to pick up David <laughs> and bring. Nice. Him. It'll it'll be worth it. I'll bring snacks. Oh, okay. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for listening guys we covered the free agent running backs today we will be back next week to cover the free agent wide receivers with upside of nathan joining us again um, but until then my name is steven taroni uh, you can follow my twitter at ff professor st3 blake where can the people find your twitter at yeah you can follow me at blake sullivan ff and at the fsgn So be sure to check both those out and follow me. Awesome, guys. On behalf of Nate and Blake Sullivan, my name is Stephen Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballer for your fantasy sports news and analysis. Follow the guys on Twitter at Stephen underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See you.